0: I guess it's a good thing we don't have Young Russell here tonight to fuck up this podcast to inject his whippersnapper opinions.
1: Well, plus his voice yeah. just sounds stupid. Like when he plus when he him. talks, he just has that surfer like sound to him that just makes it hard to listen to, and you're just like, okay, go. He be does
0: a... get off, give off the startup co-founder bro vibe, right? <laughs> like, yes. Like I I feel like he's one of the smarter people that I know in terms of technology, but. He well, also looks at it in oh. terms of like, I need to measure sea foam levels, dude, so I can go and get some waves, dude, and <laughs> I don't know. I just anytime he talks, I see the baby turtle from Finding Nemo, and I don't know why. <laughs> you know the one that's like, it's time for a chill sesh, bro, like that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, we'll stop judging him. Okay. So you had you had follow up on on our iPhone and, and MacBook discussion, or lack thereof, yes. a MacBook discussion last week. All so- right, we'll, <gasps> yes. well, we'll whitewash that and and sort of, I guess we'll, we'll push it into this week and let you get your opinions out there so I can comment on them, and then we'll move into this week's discussion. Sure. Cool? Sounds good. Cool. So what were your thoughts on the iPhone SE, the smaller form factor phone?
1: Right, so when you guys were talking about it, you know, I kind of went back and thought about you know my iPhones and my iPhone experiences and and just kind of my phone experiences in general. You know, I, I was one of those people that bought the original iPhone for like six hundred dollars or whatever the hell it was at the time, when it was a total gimmick. And everyone, you know, there was the people who, like, you know, I was that guy that had the Treo W. Do you remember the Treo W?
0: No, I remember the Treo, okay. but I don't know any of the specific models around it, okay, right? Okay, so, so like, there's
1: the Treo P, which had the Palm OS on it, and there was the okay. Treo W that had Windows Mobile 4 and then Mobile 5, which were horrible operating systems. The
0: Treo was always a Palm phone, though, right? Yes,
1: yes. It was, it was made okay. by Palm, but they had licensed out the ability to use the hardware to, to Windows. So... I had the Windows version because I was a Windows tech and I wanted it for email and it had those horrible little stylus pens on it that I swore I would never, ever, ever use again. Thanks a lot, Apple, for bringing them back. Um, And so that was like my starting into smartphones. Uh, So moving to an iPhone was pretty massive. You know, I, I didn't want to go into a BlackBerry. You know, BlackBerry people back then are like, the Android people now, where
0: did you did you ever have a BlackBerry? No, fuck no. Anytime? No. Oh really? We never had a, a, so...
1: a BlackBerry email server. We never had a BES at any place that I worked at, and really, I feel like the only way to have a BlackBerry that would make sense is to have a BES. So if you don't have one, you shouldn't use it. Um, and when I got my iPhone and it didn't have Microsoft Exchange on it, I, it, I mean, it was an iPod. It was a beautiful iPod that I could make phone calls on, but it was an iPod. That's really what it was. And then the uh, App
0: Store wasn't out then. Yet. The App no. Store didn't come out until the 3G was out, right? Correct.
1: So when oh. the 3G came out with uh, with Microsoft Exchange uh, compatibility, that's when the phones became something like really usable to me. Um, but at the time, you know, that's when Android started to to really pick up, and that's when we started seeing galaxies and these unbelievably large phones you know i had my little 3.1 inch screen that you know felt just right to me and then the guy next to me has like a you know his five inch screen which like seriously looked like he was just using like an ipad for for a phone. well
0: to be fair in defense of large screens i don't think the the galaxy note came out until like
1: mm, but the note even bigger
0: 2011 no the note's like 5.5 And the Note was the first, like, big-screen phone. Everything outside of that was generally around the same size as an iPhone. Like, the—so my first—I had a Motorola Droid. That was my first, like, big step in a smartphone. I had a Palm Pre before that, if you'll remember our conversation from last week. And it it just shit the bed, basically. Loved the phone, but the Droid had just came out. There was a lot of rage around it Um, when I took my—I wanted that originally, but they were sold out when I went— And when I took my pre back to get it serviced and repaired, they had those. So I went through, like, the 60-day return, whatever, and had to pay a fee and whatnot. But anyway, I got my Droid. And that was a 3.7-inch screen, I think. I want to say it was 3.7. I'm not specifically sure. What was the original iPhone screen size, wasn't it? It was 3.1. It was 3.1? Yeah. Okay.
1: I want to say the iPhone screen was bigger than at least my Palm. You know, my Treo had a a pretty small, I think it was like a 2.4 cuz was yeah. it, that was back when they were still trying to go in like a rectangular what? screen style. Yeah,
0: and those were that's what I was about to say. Those those had the keyboards underneath anyway, yes. so Those were candy bar phones.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: oh my god. But
1: yeah, so um you know, I I got the 3G and then I got a 3GS and then I got a 4 and then I got a 4S and then I got a 5 and then I got a 5S. And as the phone as the iPhone continued to like make excuses as to why it didn't have screens as large as the competition i continued to make excuses as to why i didn't need a a screen size that large Uh, now that i have a 6s plus uh, there's no way i could go back to a small screen like
0: this i i agree this
1: is like you know good for apple oh wait you
0: have a 6s plus yeah
1: i got a plus i've got the big boy phone i don't have a regular 6s
0: what do you? Okay, so here, here is my big question okay. for folks with large phones, and I've had large phones. I've never had like an iPhone penis. Plus, but I've <laughs> had, I've had, I've had a Nexus 6. Before that, I had a Note 3. Uh, I got a Note 5 and promptly returned it because I'm not a maniac. Uh, with with those screens, though, like what what do you find yourself doing with that extra screen real estate because when anytime i think about getting a success plus the benefits for that that come from it aren't larger screen to me that's not what i'm looking for i'm thinking of camera that's got optical image stabilization i'm thinking of larger form factor phone so larger battery so better battery life i'm thinking of 1920 by 1080 screen rather than the you know what is it 326 ppi on the right. the normal iphone success those are the things that i think of but a big screen, I'm not, like, a, a get, uh, like, consume media person on my iPhone. Like, I, I really love my MacBook. I use my MacBook for absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And my iPhone is just kind of this tertiary device that I use for mainly communication at this point. Um, and then, you know, all the the random ancillary stuff, like... You know yelping and whatnot looking for somewhere to go get dinner all that kind of crap right but in terms of actually like consuming media like watching YouTube or you know any type of video content or photo content I I don't really use my iPhone for that I'll use it to share stuff and like whatever app you know whether it be Twitter or Facebook or anything like that sure. I'll snapchat here and there but it's not it's not a consumed media device for me it's like a communication device specifically and that that's it sure. so like do you it, it How do you so use your phone?
1: Keep in mind, I am in a very diff, like different kind of status when it comes to Apple products. So yeah. I obviously I have a 27-inch iMac. I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro. I have an iPad 3. I have an iPad mini. I have an iPad Air. I have my iPhone. I have another 5S that I use as basically an iPod now um i have a mac okay, mini yeah. with two 27 inch monitors attached to it um i am not your typical apple consumer i mean i guess maybe i am your typical apple consumer but i'm like an atypical apple consumer so f- but you just
0: have all this stuff yes because i just have
1: all this stuff and i use them all for very different things like what i use my ipad for is not what i use my iphone for and what you i realize use- that
0: the people listening to this are going to think you're A goddamn maniac, right? So,
1: for the people who are listening, I work in education. So, I have to have all these devices so that when my faculty come to me with some whiz bang idea of how they want to try and deploy something or show something in our college, I have a way of like actually finding out whether or not it will work.
0: It's like a QA type situation. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, I have, because of it, I have tons of stuff. And I just, I have, you know, at my beck and call, any type of device I want to use. Uh, and this extends also into, like, Windows Pros and all the other... It's not just Apple, but, you know, Apple is just what we're talking about here. Um, I My Mini, I don't use anymore. So my iPhone has pretty much gotten rid of that device. Uh, my iPad has almost gone away for me now, now that I have this larger phone. Um, yeah, I watch YouTube on it. Yeah, I browse the internet and go to sites that have you know really small text and have you know are horribly designed by people who don't know anything about website design where you have to like use your fingers to you know increase the size of, of what you're looking at so you can actually read it. And you know because a lot of the websites I go to are written for education, they're written by a faculty person who has no CSS experience, they have no knowledge of how to build a website. They've just threw a bunch of stuff, on like a Dreamweaver template and just said, go internet. So, so you're
0: basically, the 6S Plus to you is just a bigger window into what is the shitty web. Yes. I guess.
1: Yes, okay. very much so. Okay. So okay. that's really, for me, that's its main use. I mean, I don't use it for sat-nav because I have sat-nav in my car and, you know, I
0: Ooh, actually, you know that is one thing that I use mine for more than I would think. And I is Google Maps
1: for for sat nav. It would be really nice to have that big screen, in my opinion. Yeah, but I the sat nav in your in my car, car
0: is probably just the worst, though, right? Isn't the software just god awful for the most part? Oh yeah, you drive a Jeep, right? Yeah, I've got a
1: Jeep. Yeah, anything okay. Chrysler technology is going to be pretty much joke. Because they haven't been able to invest money into that kind of stuff for, you know, 15 years. Um, So, yeah, the the sat-nav in my car is crap. But I'll bring up sat-nav on my phone and I'll look at it and I'll look at what my car says. And if they match, which for what most of my driving that I do, they will match up because I don't go to like weird places. Then I just put my phone back away and I let my car do the, you know, the pointing and, and getting me where I need to go.
0: Yeah. I mean, just having that up on all the time, dedicated device to it, I definitely understand the appeal of that. You know, the Tesla's really good at that. A lot of people have lauded that, like, the Tesla interface isn't as good as, you know, something something like a smartphone or a tablet. Right. Yeah. But it's huge, and it's there, and it's always there. Yep. So you're always looking at it. And whether or not it's a familiar or even, you know, frankly, good interface, it's just always there. And the thing you have is better than the thing you don't. So... Anyway, and I get that. That's cool. And that's
1: why CarPlay is going to be so awesome. Is because All car right, so let's Play... talk about this. Yes.
0: Because I think that I think that CarPlay and Android Auto are two technologies that are in, in an extremely weird spot, right? Okay. I I kind of see them as like the cable box in terms of like it's one of those like So, let's talk about like car computers versus something like a cable box, right? The the reason I draw that that parallel is because they're both like super entrenched technologies that have companies behind them that are essentially the lowest bidder, that have always been the lowest bidder that are made at ridiculous, you know, ridiculously low price and yep. then marked up to ridiculously high price and sold as just like a, a quote unquote option, right? Like yep. you buy you buy the good DVR from your cable company and it's like what, 20 bucks a month versus you could go out and buy a TiVo for $100 flat and you're done, right? Yep. And you buy sat nav as an option in your car, and it's what, like three grand, four grand, something like that. Depends on the car company. You could buy, you could buy an iPad for five hundred dollars. Right. An iPad with LTE for a thousand bucks. Um, and still pay less. So, uh, it it's one of those weird, weird facets of technology that is more on the business side of things than it is on yo, this is a good thing, we should adopt this. And it's getting there. Like, Apple, like, if you go to, I think it's apple.com slash CarPlay, you'll see a list of a 100 quote-unquote partners of CarPlay. Mm -hmm. But CarPlay has been out in the wild for, like, three years or something now. And you're only just starting to see cars roll off the line with it. Oh, yeah. Maybe Maybe I'm crazy, like, that is the car industry, and they do have to get this hardware and make it work with, you know, specific models, and some people want it and some people don't. But... Even with, you know, like my non nerdy friends and my non my non techie friends, they're they're starting to want these things, right? Mm-hmm. They they want Siri in their car, they want voice control, they want, you know, something to charge their phone. Because everybody has either one of two things now. You know, they either have an Android phone or an iPhone. Right. And having one that can go back and forth is a consideration. It's it's also another weird um ecosystem lock in mechanism. You know, so like if you buy a car that has carplay and you have an Android phone, you're just shit out of luck like it's there's a lot of units that support both. There's this one pioneer unit that I've been eyeing, and I think I might pick it up, but it's like twelve hundred bucks and it supports both right and I don't wanna pick it up because um because I have an iPhone and that's specifically what I want to use. I I want to pick it up because like, what if a sick ass Android phone comes out? Like what if the Google decides to bring like Nexus engineering in house and actually start making phones themselves and I end up wanting one. You know, it's just, and, and that's my car. Like, it's not like I can just switch that out, you know, as easily as I can switch out something like my phone. Sure. Even going from Android to iOS is all the same apps and same services are on, um, each of them for the most part. Uh, but I, but I think what
1: you're talking about are two separate things, because what you're talking about right okay. now is is a pioneer head unit that you are going out yeah. and buying for $1,200 and putting in a hoop tee. Right. you know, right. you can put it in any car, which is awesome, right. because in doing that, you have now made your car far more usable, because before it might not have had Bluetooth, it might not have had, you know, the ability to connect your phone wirelessly and do, you know, phone calls and, and all that kind of stuff. But as someone who I've I've had a lot of, of modern cars as of late because I jump around I have a car buying issues I'm i you know I go to meetings um so you know I've I've tried the Ford MyTouch stuff and I've tried now the Jeep stuff and I've also tried Volkswagen stuff. And when you have something that works really well, like Ford's MyTouch system, where they have, like, the, the sync and everything, and it's all Microsoft voice-activated that they licensed from, you know, the same people that they do, Siri, the, um, what's that company that does Siri, the voice stuff? Uh, I can't think of their names. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's the one that, uh, they do everything. They do all, it's like the big company that does voice-to-text, um, the dragon like dragon speak dragon dictations. Yes. okay yeah okay gotcha so w- you have that and it's awesome because you just you talk to your car and your car does things and then you get into your volkswagen and it's like going back into the stone ages and just like this is a newer car why, why doesn't this have technology equivalent to my older ford like i couldn't stay in that volkswagen because of it i loved the the car the gti was a wonderful car But all the technology in it was was so many years behind at that point that I, I had to leave it. And then I went back to another Ford and then I was happy and everything was great. And then I get a baby and a Mustang is not realistic anymore. So I go out and I get a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And again, I go back to like this ancient sort of technology where the voice activation is just, it's junk and it's because these car companies like you said are going out to people that are the lowest common denominator and getting the lowest bid and they're using their technology and no one wants to do like a cross-platform no one wants to use you know you know microsoft stuff because ford's using it and gm has to have their own thing because they can't have what another car company uses and having standardization having this okay we're going to use this one technology and it's going to go across all cars And car companies like Audi and Volkswagen and Porsche, which have horrible technology inside them for being as nice a cars as they are, are all of a sudden going to have good stuff. And they're not going to have to put any effort in because they're going to another company that has already figured it out and saying, okay, you guys, we're going to pay you licensing fees. You're going to put this in your car or in our car. And as a benefit to that to you as a company, Apple, is once people have this car play technology in their car, they're going to get an iPhone. They're going to get an well, iPhone. And, and last I checked,
0: I mean, there there wasn't a licensing fee for either of those things. I don't think that there is. I can't imagine um,
1: Apple not having some sort of fee. It's Apple. <laughs> but I might be I wrong. Mean,
0: but, you know, like, it, it kind of goes back to this argument from a long time ago. Um, a, a buddy and I were, were talking about, like, everything that Apple does is to sell iPhones. Yes. Everything. Everything. Um, everything is to sell iPhone hardware. Mm-hmm. Like... Any app on the iPhone, any little chitsy thing, any piece of software, any service, they, they give these things away for free. They provide these things, and it's all to sell iPhones. That's all it is to drive iPhone sales. Yep. And, you know, again, if, if you buy a new Mercedes, right, and it has CarPlay in it, and for some reason you've got, like, the new Note or whatever... You're most likely going to get an iPhone yep. if you want to use those tech, because other uh, it it essentially renders you know the smart features of your car useless. And what's interesting is that you know it's not even the the thing that you're buying in your car, like the actual interface, isn't even driven by a computer in your car. It's driven by your phone. It's taking everything from your phone, like. It, CPU, everything mm-hmm. like is how that works. So
1: yeah, it's basically an Apple TV attached to a monitor, and it's just using your phone. In that yeah, sense. I mean for the most part.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you know, to your point, the reason that you don't see these things in in other cars is, is frankly, it's just not making them money, right? right? You know, they're they they say, hey, we can get to this spot, and we can find the next big thing. You know, there's there's enough hubris there from like the car companies to say that. You know, we we'll figure this out. We'll we'll make this or happen. Even, we want this to be our solution. It's good enough. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. what we we Mercedes people, I mean, still are giving buy their cars. you is
1: good. You know, that's you don't need Apple CarPlay. And I think this is actually the first time, which is kind of cool, that as a consumer, like we're kind of saying, "No. No, we're kind of tired of your bad technology in your cars." And, you know, I think Well, it's, it's
0: happening and it's going to continue happening and people are going to continually be, you know, not impressed with with cars that don't have that stuff. Yep. That's just, you know, that's just the rule of the road at this point. So, I mean, what you look at what model? Model 3. How many pre-orders is it oh now? My like 375,000 or
1: something? Yeah, more than Which they're going to
0: build. <laughs> insane. So, I reserved one. Mm-hmm. I put down my grand for one. But at the same time, I'm super reluctant because I'm not going to get that thing for like 4 years at this point. Probably. I, I forget the number of Model S's that they turned out last year, but I want to say it was like 75,000. Mm-hmm. It was, I want to say it was less than 100,000. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I may be completely and, and absolutely wrong. But anyways... Um, so, I mean that being said, or are, are they gonna be able to crank out that many cars? This yeah, is a big pivot, by the way. This is out of nowhere,
1: but No, but you anyway. it you know, it does speak to manufacturing in the sense that it's not like they're gonna stop building the Model S. They're still gonna build oh, those no, seventy five thousand no. or 100. Or the Model X. Yes. Yeah. I mean they're still gonna build those cars. You know, so they have to they have to buy factory space or something. I mean they're gonna have well, they to have tool. it.
0: I mean the the Giga done, is right? It? Like okay. Yeah, I, I think it is, but I don't think it's actually cranking out, like, cars. I think it's specifically cranking out batteries, okay. right? And I think another thing that they're attempting to do is sell that platform and sell those batteries. You know, like Tesla, if, if the if the whole car business fails, right, the reason they release those big power cell home batteries is, is their play into, hey, you know, if, if we suddenly get really shitty at making cars, we're the world's biggest manufacturers of lithium ion batteries now and we have the world's biggest factory that large scale batteries yeah i mean just like similar to what prius does like the prius platform toyota licensed that out i think the nissan leaf is actually based off of it but that battery platform and that drivetrain that's that's licensed out so you know other car companies can come in and say like we want this thing and prius says well you know here you go pay us a fee and you know it's nominal but they're making other people dependent on
1: that so yeah I hate, Anyways, I hate the Prius. But, don't, buy, don't buy a Prius. Uh, buy a Tesla. Uh, I don't. I don't want a Prius. So, <laughs> no,
0: I, I. I don't want a Model S. I really don't want a Model S. I really no, want, you a Model want a S, Model S. But I don't want to pay for a Model yes, S. Yes, thank you. No. <laughs> and you know, like speaking of someone who has like a ten ten minute commute to work, it's it's just not like feasible. It doesn't make any sense. So. I don't know. I've been looking a lot here lately. I think I might buy a Jeep myself, but mm. not a not a Grand Cherokee, something more modular. I want to take all the shit off of it and just, you know, have an awesome-ass summer vehicle. Anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> so another couple of things that we need to get into this week uh, is stuff that we didn't cover last week because we didn't have a show last week because we're terrible hosts. Uh, so we just need to sort of run the field before we get to So wait, so wait Are you just going to
1: skip over the MacBook Pro again? Are we just going yeah. s- to skip yeah, over fuck it the again? Yeah. MacBook. Okay. The well, okay, whole thing we'll that I came here this. for. <laughs> we'll get into this. Is that what you're just no, for? No, it's okay. All right. So I, just, so I, I love actually, the MacBook Pro. I, I think it's an awesome form factor. I, I think that too. 13 inch is amazing, and it should be what every single person has as a laptop. Okay. Now we can move forward. I, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
0: So I have a Broadwell 13 inch MacBook Pro that I bought this year. Okay. For work, I have a 2013. No, I think, yeah, 2013 15-inch MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, carry both those around with me all the time. They're both incredible devices. I have no qualms with either. And it's insane how how well the uh, my work one actually keeps up with my personal one, mm-hmm. despite being, you know, ridiculously underpowered. Right. Um, anyway, I mean, great devices. Refresh supposed to be coming later this year. Uh, I will definitely buy one if the Skylake refresh comes out. And it's a new form factor. I'm 100% buying one, especially if there's a space black one, because that is going to be awesome. <laughs> the Apple um, is so I mean, good
1: at making candy. I mean, yeah. it, it can have a generation behind CPU, it can have a generation behind VGA, you know, v, you know, video card, it can have a generation behind everything, but they make it look so pretty that it's just you have to buy one. Yeah. So all the thing I was going to say was the 13-inch MacBook Pro is the perfect laptop. It, there's no reason for a MacBook Air. There's no reason for a 15-inch MacBook Pro. The 13-inch is that perfect. Uh, so uh, the screen
0: real estate on the 15-inch is incredibly nice. And but is it, you, can't get, you, cannot, you, you cannot get a, dis, a discrete graphics card on the 15-inch. And again, I understand that not everybody needs those things. I have a desktop as well as a laptop, and I opted for portability, which is why I got a 13-inch. And, you know, price corresponded with that as well. It was cheaper, Mm -hmm. but I got a maxed out 13-inch, and I love it. Fits every need that I have. Um, It's great when I plug it up to a Thunderbolt display. Like, it's just an all-around great laptop. But... I will say that I can get more shit done on my 15-inch than I can this laptop, specifically because of screen real estate. Yes, but and that's if you're using this trapped.
1: device for work, mm-hmm. you should have an external monitor that you plug into. Yeah, like, no, And a keyboard absolutely. and a mouse. You, I mean, really, you shouldn't even use the keyboard on the laptop. And you shouldn't absolutely. use the, the pad. It should be something that you plug in a, a monitor, you plug in or you use a wireless keyboard and mouse, and it is just like a desktop that sits there. So, right. you know, I I've had a 15 inch MacBook Pro, just like I've you know, I had a 27 inch iMac. I mean, it, to me, it makes more sense to have a 27 inch iMac and a 13 inch MacBook Pro than like yep. you know, a 21 inch iMac or a 15 inch MacBook Pro. Oh, like we're there's... in
0: line there. I mean, uh, we we have the same setup. Mm-hmm. We're we're rocking the exact same thing. We're we're not like off base with each other on this at all. But other people online might not have that... it,
1: and they need to learn that we are right. <laughs> yeah we are we're correct get fucking in line yeah. um but anyway i mean I, I
0: i fully enjoy both you know i i'm podcasting on my 13 inch right now and it's plugged up to a cinema display and it's wonderful it's joyous it works great i've never had a single how, problem how out do you of it.
1: have a cinema display are you are you rich once? I mean, are you
0: rich do you, no do you how do you keep buying cars
1: <laughs> uh okay good point <laughs> <laughs>
0: so i mean a cinema display is only a thousand dollars like <sighs> So it's it's not like it's that bad, That's and so they're so old money. at this point. So you can find a crazy used one. Yeah, but I mean, I have that and a 27-inch Dell UltraSharp, and I'm really thinking about getting a BenQ monitor specifically for gaming because okay. while these look pretty, they the the response time isn't where I want it to be. So Maddie convinced
1: like, me to buy a BenQ um, mm-hmm. because of my you know my unique position. Um, I bought a 27-inch BenQ a 27-inch uh, Dell UltraSharp, a 27-inch uh, cinema display, and I bought a 27-inch some other monitor. I, th- I, wa- I think it was... Um, oh, what was it? I hate not to remember these things. But anyways, I put them all next to each other, You know, put different computers on them to, to see the difference in the quality. And I was amazed how much better everything was compared to the dell ultra sharp because i've always loved dell ultra sharp monitors they've always been a go-to monitor for me and this last generation of ultra sharp i don't know if it's just a step behind but man these the benq is gorgeous next to it and Hmm. i mean totally worth the money
0: well and it's not even a matter of of like color gamut or any display properties of it for the most part. I, I care about that stuff, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not doing enough design work where that, that kind of matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- I'll be frank with you. Like The only reason I got the Dell UltraSharp is I walked into a Fry's and it was gorgeous and I wanted it, so I bought it. Right. And It's the monitor I have paired with my cinema display, rather than have two of those things, <laughs> although they're pretty close in price. Um, but getting... I, I think I want... Like a 24 inch bin queue to sort of have on a desk set up behind me, specifically for game stuff, mm-hmm. to keep these kind of things like segmented away at least a little bit. Because I find myself getting distracted at my work setup because all my game stuff is right here as well. And, you know, that can be a problem. Yes. Yeah. So you have to but anyway, separate
1: church and state.
0: Yeah. I need to do that.
1: Yeah. I, I anyway. have my computer that is for work, and then I have my gaming setup that is in a different room, and never shall the two meet.
0: It's nice having everything here in this one like command center, but <laughs> not only is this desk starting to get crowded again, there's just the distraction factor. Yeah. And I can't get shit done as much as I'd want to. Yes. So moving on, we we glazed over Macbooks for you. They'll so be happy. But
1: we need to start you. talking about Thank the you. real
0: things this week. So there's there's three topics that two of which should have been covered last week and weren't because again, we're jerks. And the big very one good. that I want to, yeah, Gobi is terrible. Yeah. He's not good at keeping me on track. And anything for I, that matter. I get off track quite a bit. <laughs> anyway, so two like lightning round topics. SpaceX does really cool shit. So <sighs> they finally landed that damn Falcon 9 rocket on the drone barge. Which, if you go and look at the footage of it, it just looks like literally space age. I mean, yeah, it, is it is not the coolest fiction. thing ever? I mean, And, I mean, props to them. Absolute props to them. I mean, that's a huge step in terms of, you know, like, reusable rockets and making spaceflight cheaper. So, like, <laughs> the repercussions of it are kind of boring, but just seeing a rocket that you knew went into orbit come back down and land on a barge in the middle of the ocean is incredible.
1: Oh, yeah. And, I mean, so. there's part of it is, like, how, how has it taken us this long to do this? We have UAVs that do all kinds i mean you can go buy a you know a 400 hundred dollar uav online that can do like insane things you know let alone a company that has access to millions and millions and millions of dollars there's like a how did it take us this long to do this but there's also a oh my god we've done this like right we can do this now we can build it <laughs> one thing one thing somebody told me
0: um because a question that I see asked a lot is, you know, we went to the moon in the 60s. Like, why aren't we back in space? Why haven't we made it to Mars and, and whatnot yet? Right. And I was reading, it, it was an op-ed. I, I forget out of what, but it, its point specifically was the people that did those things are gone. Yeah. Like, they're they're gone. They died. Like, it's it's over. The people that pioneered that type of stuff, it's... It was revolutionary at the time, specifically because we went to the moon, yes, but also because we did it with aluminum foil <laughs> and, like, three <laughs> megs of memory on a computer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's insane. And now the systems have scaled up to be so entirely complex and be so much more computerized that the mechanical factor behind them is just completely and totally different. You know like we we've gone through a whole generation of spacecraft like the space shuttles have all been decommissioned, right? Yep. Like that whole generation is, of of space flight is is over. And now we're moving to like a more cheaper rocket based type of situation which which really kind of brings things full circle, right? You know, I mean it's it's just kind of amazing to see you know how much of a lag there has been in us actually going back into space and doing things. And at the same time people keep saying, like, let's go back to the moon, let's go back to the moon, let's go back to the moon. But like, what's what's on the moon? Like, what are we what are we what are we getting at here? I think everybody has really been so focused on Mars that committing resources to something that we've already achieved is kind of silly. Yes. But anyway, I mean, for the most part, the only reason rockets are going into space at this point is to deploy satellites for testing purposes or to deliver um, human Large supplies to so the isF yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, anyway, I I, I, I kind of agree, kind of disagree. Like, yes, the that generation of people um, is gone. I think it's more that generation of, of motivation is gone. I mean, why did we go to space and to the moon in the first place? It was to battle the Russians. It was oh, hundred percent. The Soviets are gone. We were, were motivated. We, you know, mm-hmm. they're ahead of us. They are, you know, they, they got into orbit before us, you know, Sputnik and everything else. And it was like, no, we're the best. America's the best. We, we need to be the best. So, you know, the amount of resources and money that the government put towards NASA to get there is probably something that we it would be very hard to justify again in, in the world that we have now. Where, you know, people are too into their iPhones to really be worrying about space.
0: <laughs> people, frankly, just do not give a fuck about space exploration. No, they really don't. There's, no, they, there's nothing pushing
1: sucks. us to leave. You know, there's not like, you know, it's not like tomorrow, it, you know, where we have an inter, interstellar where the Earth is dying and we need to go someplace. And, okay, right. you know, now we got to figure out what the hell we're going to do. It's, you know, we're, we're not in any sort of position where there's anything pushing us to do it hell if tomorrow if the chinese built a rocket and flew to mars and landed there and had people running around on mars we probably wouldn't even care we'd probably be like oh wow that's amazing that's great but we're not gonna do it and we'd bomb it yeah i mean it you know as
0: as a youngin coming up through all this you know i'm i'm very romanticized by the the ideal of space flight but at the same time, I just feel like we're humans and it's just what's next, right? Right. You know, I mean, back in the day, like exploration was the thing, you know, there was the new world and there were colonies and eventually there were civilizations and now we're here and the world feels small. So what's next? Mm -hmm. Like we need need to push towards the next thing. And I, I guess to come full circle on the conversation Cheaper space flight and rockets that can land themselves on barges that are driving themselves out in the middle of the goddamn ocean is a pretty big step.
1: Oh yeah, oh, so. a very cool step too. I would, I just, and, I would love to do it. Just simply, like, I like go to Mars. I mean, I, it's it's really hard to to justify to taxpayers, especially when we have we have a hard enough time feeding people in our country. But like, you know, I would love to be able to get to a position where we can justify doing it just for the sheer amount of technology that would likely be invented to get us there. You know, yeah. I mean, that was yeah, what was so cool, cool about going to the moon was the things that NASA had to invent to get us there. I mean, titanium was one of those things that had to be designed and made to get us to the moon. I mean, that's. That's so cool. And, I mean, look at how titanium has changed us. Carbon fiber. You know, all these lightweight materials that were...
0: Medical research is the same way. You know, you find things on the journey. Right.
1: And... I would love, because I mean, there, that is a, a huge question of, okay, how do we get people to Mars? It's going to take 18 months. They got to get back. That's 18 months. How do we keep people alive in space for three years? Okay. And, yep. you know, and how do we keep them where their bones don't degrade and their muscles don't go into atrophy? And, and you know, and once we get to Mars, thought, what do we do? Like, what are we, what are we doing on Mars? And, it, you know,
0: oh. I thought the science behind why they actually had to land this rocket on this barge was probably the coolest and most simple thing. I've read in quite a while, because, you know, they they landed one successfully on land, Mm -hmm. right? And the the whole reason that SpaceX is making these land and not just, you know, like, go up into the air and be done is because they're reusable. You know, you can build something, and then it costs way less. You don't have to build that thing again. You have that as an asset. Refuel it, shoot it back up. And the... So people people were just, like, crying out. They're like, well, just land the motherfucker back on land, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not a big deal. But they're launching these things, and, you know, the way you achieve orbit isn't just sh- straight up. It's oh, yeah. up and, you know, sideways. Mm-hmm. It's it's a trajectory, you know, to, to get into orbit. Really high up there. So by the time you're there, there's this weird maneuver that has to take place. You can't just, like, straight up, <laughs> I'm turning around and coming back. Yeah. Like, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to do this weird flippy thing And come straight down, and when it does that, it's over the ocean, no matter where you are. Like, you know, because they launch these things from... These are launching from Cape Canaveral, aren't they? Or are these launching from Texas? Uh, I think these are launching from Texas.
1: I have no idea where they launch... I mean, I don't know. I don't either,
0: and I feel bad, and I feel like I should know where they're launching from. It's Texas or Florida. It's one of the two. I know that SpaceX is in Texas, but I don't know what launch facility they're using. They're not using Vandenberg
1: in California? It might be. I don't know. But
0: Speaking of Vandenberg, I just read this really shitty book by Michael Crichton <laughs> called The Andromeda Strain, and it was a really shitty book, and I was really disappointed, and my, my life is less fulfilled for having read it. Michael's,
1: Michael Crichton's and- going to write another book, and he's going to have a character named Watts in it, and he's going to kill the guy on the first page.
0: <laughs> really sorry for bringing up that super <laughs> negative note, so instead we'll go to... So this whole saga of the San Bernardinos... Shooter's iPhone being cracked and like, you know, the Apple encryption debate and whatnot. So the FBI had somebody crack this thing. Yep. And it wasn't uncrackable. Apple declared that it wasn't uncrackable. And everybody knew that since it was a 5C, it didn't have a lot of the secure provisions that were put into place on phones when the Touch ID sensors were added. Mm -hmm. So 100% crackable. And from a lot of the articles that I've been seeing pop up, the speculation and the rumor, is that they just had some more gray hat hacker come in and say, like, I'll do this thing for a fee, and just, bam, done. and
1: They didn't go to Russia and just hire a bunch of guys just to sit in a closet and do like it. <laughs> Something like that. Something. Send a bunch but, of, uh, of adware to the to the devices.
0: <laughs> like, uh, I, I honestly, I, I'm glad that, that Apple didn't have to touch this thing. Yep. I think that, I think that there is going to come a time where the government is basically going to try and make encryption illegal. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be a congressional thing in the next couple of years. But outside of that, I don't I think mean, they're going to be
1: able to get around it. I don't think, I, it, no, there there are too many corporations. There's too much money involved to be able to say that to get rid of, of encryption or to make it so that there is a backdoor for governments to get around encryption. I think it should be the job of the NSA to figure out encrypt. I mean. Okay, first and foremost, I at no point in my life expect that my devices are secure from the government. Right. I assume that one way or another, they are listening to my texts or reading yep. my texts and listening to my messages and reading my emails. And really, I don't care because I'm not doing anything wrong. So, and if I do do something wrong and they want to come knock on my door, you know, I did something wrong. So, oh well. Uh, and
0: I think that's sort of the the average mindset right. of your everyday American. Right. I think that is that is pretty much on par. But it, that, that's where I'm at. I'm in the same boat. But
1: as someone who deals a lot with intellectual property, because I have faculty who are doing research and they're doing research in areas that you know make millions of dollars in years and grants, and they don't want other people getting access to things. I mean, and and that's and we're small potatoes compared to like an Ohio State. And compared to like a a huge corporation who has, you know, their intellectual property is bundled up in, in some sort of new invention they're coming up with. You can't have something where they are building so that governments can see through encryption. It should be the job of the government to figure out a way around it. And if they can't and I build encryption that's good enough to keep them out, that's their problem. But I agree. That's, you know, wholeheartedly, actually.
0: And I think that, you know, again, it's just escalation policy. People build things, and then other people break those things. Right. And that's just how it works. You know, people make crazy bullets. Other people make crazy armor. Body armor. Yep. Yeah. Keeps going on. uh, But I do think that there's a finite point with encryption, because it's basically just like, how complex is this algorithm? And it reaches a stopgap, right? Because it's it's not, can this be broken? The answer to that is always Yes. yes. It's how long will this take to be broken? Correct. You know, and in the, in the case of cracking, like, a four-digit code on San Bernardino iPhone shooter, dude, it would have taken something like 50 years. Mm-hmm. And even longer than that, if the, it would have taken something like 50 years to crack that if they were able to enter the code, like, an unlimited amount of time right. just to continue testing and testing. But, you know, Which the you iPhone have. obviously wipes the phone after 10 tries. Mm-hmm. And I think after 5 or something, it makes you wait a minute after, you know, anyway. Yeah. Uh, there's that time delay function yes. that security function but um it, everything is always crackable but it is a matter of time but then in that same regard i i totally agree with you that the government should be able to figure it out but i think that and if they did i'm not
1: and... going to go knocking on uncle sam's door being like you shouldn't be doing this right I people assume are going to find
0: doing a it. way to make <laughs> encryption even better right and You know, as somebody who frequently uses, like, VPNs and proxies and and encrypted services to, you know, my shady dealings. Yep. uh, I think that that it's people's right to use those services. Mm -hmm. Just like it's somebody's right to, you know, say I don't want to be photographed or I don't want to be, you know, shot video of. I think that privacy is a big deal. And no matter how big of a deal, you know, people think it is or whether I'm doing something right or wrong, privacy is still privacy. Right. And if you set precedent that it that it inherently just doesn't matter, then there's going to be you know quite a few infringements on whatever you want to do on a day to day basis right. you know it's 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 just a scary precedent, and I'm really glad that Apple didn't actually have to unlock this phone uh but again, I do think that something's gonna come up really soon i mean there there's a lot of similar cases to stuff like this um but I mean there was two a though. dude wrote an open letter like couple days ago to some judge somewhere or something or he may have written it specifically to apple i don't remember um his son died and he wants access to his son's iphone he want he doesn't know the code he wants somebody to unlock it for him so he can have access to his son's memories like think about that situation it's it sucks but at the same time like phones are such personal devices that Should other people ever have access to them? If they can gain access to them, sure, you did it. But, you know, should it be made that easy? Uh, Arguably, you know, the answer to that I think is definitely not. I think that phones are so personal and have so much personal data on them that if people want them, they can subpoena that data from Apple specifically to just, you know, take off of the iCloud servers or whatever. Um, But outside of that, you know, a phone is a very personal device and says quite a lot about a person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that other people should ever have access to those types of things.
1: Right. Yeah. But... And th- and that's kind of where I was going with it was uh, there is the subpoena that you can obviously go to a, a judge and and get a warrant to have access to things. I mean, you know, right now, the government doesn't have the ability to just look at your financial records. So are you know, with encryption as a slippery, slippery slope, does this mean that I have to give them access to my PIN so that they can look at my bank accounts whenever the hell they want? Or is this one of those things where no, they have to have some sort of, you know, subpoena from a judge saying we believe you're doing something naughty and we want access to your your records. Like, right. yeah, I think that's that's very much how it should be. It should be on the state to prove something is wrong before they they go ahead and take away a right such as privacy. And you know, absolutely, I actually and there's a I, uh-huh. I don't actually like the idea, even in, in the, the thing that you just brought up, like you said, of, of the dad wanting access to his son's information. I don't think Apple should have access to do, do that. I think Apple should no. design it so that Apple they... doesn't
0: think they should have access to the—I mean, if the—so the, the 6S mm-hmm. specifically, Apple cannot access anything on it. They they have made these things literally unencryptable. Mm-hmm. There There is no way that a backdoor can exist because there is no key to said door. Right. And I think that that is the smartest thing to do. I think that saying, like, this is a thing that we're giving to somebody and that somebody can do whatever they please with it. And then when they are finished with it, there is no way, unless we are given access to it, that it can become accessible. Right. I think that that is fair. I think that that is right. And I think that that is how technology should, you know, it should progress. Right. And, you know, in- inherently, I think on the 7 or whatever the new iPhone is going to be, there's going to be... um there's going to be a, a much larger focus on security. I think that, especially within the past couple of, of years, Apple has really doubled down on declaring themselves as, hey, we're not Google, right? right. You know, when they talk about I- even their photo service, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, I can't go into, like, Apple Photos and search for this or that and that come up because Apple doesn't index that or scrape that data and say, like, this was here or this was there. Yeah. That's all your personal stuff. They don't have, they don't look at that. They don't take anything from that. Whereas if you use a, a great service that is Google Photos, you can type in literally anything and it'll find it for you. Mm-hmm. And while that's handy, that comes at a cost because the privacy of that is out the door right. because you know Google's scraping not only that metadata but every single piece of information from that photograph, whether it be color, location—I mean, just everything.
1: I mean, how do you know, how do you think Bud Light stalks people? I mean, that's how he stalks them. Yeah. he looks at that information. So,
0: and that's he's using Google Photos, yeah. yeah.
1: So that's why I keep everything in iCloud.
0: All right, so this week's topic is bots. And from what we talked about earlier, it didn't seem like you were as hip on all these tech conferences that were going on over the past couple of weeks. Nope. So, (laughs) should I summarize to you what's happened at both Build and F8, Build being Microsoft's conference and F8 being Facebook's developer conference?
1: Teach me, senpai.
0: So, So, like, the focus of both of these uh, is... You know, there's many many things that they try to get across, right? But one of the singular objectives that they both laid out is the premise of bots. And when I say bots, I'm not talking about, like, or Cortana or a Google Now or a Siri. I'm talking about, like, services that those assistants talk to. Like, and bots already sort of exist, but, like, Microsoft sees this as the next big thing. And Facebook sees this as the next big thing. And reasoning for that is is because well you know they tried to get on the last big thing which was smartphones and well they both failed. Facebook just runs as a platform and is arguably really like the smartest company in the valley right now in terms of like moving forward and future technologies and you know just core business smarts. But Microsoft is they're not even focusing on things like Windows Phone anymore. Nope. They're they're completely pivoting to the future and saying you know. This past generation, like during the Balma era, we, we really fucked up. So we have to focus on what we think is next and start to iterate and build and do crazy things there. Yep. And for them, that's bots. And Facebook sort of echoed that. So you'll see if if you use Skype, one of the things that they've rolled out here is like certain services can come in. Like, And when I say certain services, literally anybody can build a bot. And w- using like Skype APIs and Microsoft's bot APIs can integrate that with, whatever service so like if this hotel chain wants to to put a bot in skype you can have cortana go and query that bot and that bot will give you information on that hotel and cortana is in for or or is interfacing specifically with that bot so she can actually book your hotel so it's it's literally like ais for companies and services it's like the other side of the equation, right? Because when you, when you talk about, like, digital assistance right now, you're talking about something that literally just goes to the web and finds information for you, right? Correct. But what if that thing could go to the web and talk to, you know, a librarian that said, you know, you want this thing? Okay, I'll get you this thing. I'll put you on with this guy. Like, rather than we, – we already see, like, little pieces of it here and there. Like, if you call and, like, I don't know, let's say you want to, like, order food or something, you know – the person that answers the phone generally isn't a person. It's like a computer. Right. And it's like press one to do this, press two to do this. That's like a very, very um, general way of like bot usage. But the way that like Microsoft and Facebook are seeing things with their specific messaging platforms moving forwards is any service can build a bot on our platform and then digital assistants will query that bot to retrieve whatever information you're looking for or to accomplish whatever goal that you want so it's basically the expansion of ai and i know it, it's far more specific than that but that is about as general as i can be without getting into like super nerd territory <laughs>
1: so why are you so, ex- anyway. so are you excited or against it since i don't know what your stance on it is
0: so i don't i don't really have a stance like oh, okay. Number one, I think that that Microsoft is smart to pivot away from Windows Phone. Yes. You know, and that really has nothing to do with with anything associated with bots, other than like they're pinning their pinning their hopes on something that isn't a platform that they developed five years ago that failed. Right. You know, it's it's them saying, "Hey, this is the next new thing." Windows What's needs to really look at surprising. IBM
1: and start doing what IBM did. Because yeah, as soon I mean, as IBM they're... realized that they shouldn't be in the hardware business and that they should focus on services and software, like they did much better. That's where Windows yeah. needs to be too.
0: But for Facebook to say this, like so, Facebook getting into the bot game is really interesting because kind of they have a messaging platform that something like three billion people use. Wow. Which I think I think it was three billion. It was three or one point six. It was it was billions. It's billions. Okay, like. Uh, it was after million, 1 billion, he's not it's right. Just, it was really just it,
1: it was like twenty people use it. So <laughs> when it's
0: billions, it's fucking huge. Like yes. and you know, it, it really took their developer conference to like to like hammer into my head like holy shit, Facebook really is just doing things, right? right? They have Messenger, which is its own standalone service now, which is actually quite good. Like the core Facebook experience, which is, you know, it is what it is. Like Facebook as a platform is good. The people on Facebook, eh, maybe not as much. Um <laughs> Instagram, billion user platform. WhatsApp, billion user platform. So they have all of these these, these services, right? And to integrate bots into them uh, where, you know, like, you can go out and, and start, like, booking hotels through something like Messenger. I'm kind of scared about because I I really, how do I say this? I really believe in like the future of the open internet and I think that the internet should be this, this open platform where everything is. And when you start talking about things being built off of the internet, things like apps and things like bots, you begin to get into an area where it's more user experience focused. So rather than a person going onto the web to retrieve information, you have something else doing it for you. And that information may not even be on the web anymore. It may be siloed away into whatever this other experience is, right? Sure. So what if bots launch? And to go back to the hotel example, say like the Ritz-Carlton says, nobody books hotels on our websites anymore. Everybody's just using bots. And they're doing it through Skype, and they're doing it through Messenger, and they're doing it through their phone. So We don't need to support a website anymore for people to book hotels. And it, they, they move that to like an app or a bot service, Right. What that begins to do is to silo information away from the open internet, and that is what's really scary to me. Mm. The fact that the internet should be this, like, end-all be-all of this is where information is, this is a library, this should track everything that humankind has ever done from a certain point. The fact that that information would be, like, ripped out of that, um, be, like, basically ripped off of those shelves and put into their own, like, little dog houses is kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm because I don't want to use all these other different services. Whether it's a better user experience or not, I think that the internet should be the internet and all these other services should exist around it and call from it. But, you know, again, like you have all these platforms, Facebook specifically, that are just getting so large that people live inside of that. You know, like to a lot of people, Facebook is the internet. Like I can like everybody in my family, like my my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, like the internet to them is Facebook. Right. Like, they don't go on the internet. They go onto Facebook. And everything stems from that, right? So, like, that's the Google videos my they mom. watch.
1: My mom, Google is yeah. the internet.
0: Yeah. And you got to think about, like, the videos they watch are on Facebook. The yeah. people they're talking to are in Messenger on Facebook. Like, that is the internet. That's like a siloed away experience that's just using the internet for connectivity. Like, the information isn't actually there. Like, it belongs to Facebook. Right. And I know that that's that's kind of a, a runaround from from the subject of bots, but I just think that I think that like two huge companies on the West Coast putting their bets on the next big thing being something that yet again silos some data away from the internet is kind of a scary thing. And I don't know how to react to it until it gets bigger than it is now. But for the most part, you know I. I've grown up with the internet and I, I quite love it, but at the same time I can understand where you know like as a I guess as a species we need to get to a point to where the the obtaining of information is much more simpler than it is now even though it kind of already is but it it's interfaceable by anybody from anybody with anything, you know.
1: Sure. So I, I, I would I say really to try to and draw a argument. parallel or or like a, a like a metaphor of a different, you know, to what you're talking about. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that people did things by hand. Yeah, and, and there, you—if you wanted a woodworker, you had to have some guy who knew how to work, you know, with tools, and you know, having someone that was really good as a mechanic, you know, because they, they knew how how the engine worked and how things you know functioned, and they, you know, you had real artists in kind of these blue collar jobs, and more and more those jobs are kind of dying out. And then, you know, instead you have these, you know, these little pockets of people who remember how things were made back in the day and can still make things that way. And it's awesome that 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 knowledge exists in those people. But when those people die, that that's lost. Yeah. Like, the ability to make things that way is, is not something that they're necessarily handing down to the next generation. So... I can see what you're saying with bots being like, well, th- this is just an a, a, as a furthering of that same kind of idea of, you know, slowly losing like that stuff that, that was cool to, for certain people to do. 99% of people well, don't care about that stuff. But someone like right. you or me who wants like, you know, the very best of something and is willing to pay extra, you know, I still buy my knives from a guy that makes knives, like, I don't buy it from some, you know, company that stamps them out of steel really quick and, and sells them on a store and they're disposable. Like, I buy something that that a dude made out of metal and hardened yeah. and sharpened and made beautiful. And when that guy's gone and people that do that are gone, like, I'm going to have to buy knives from the box store. And it's like, you know. And
0: to, to hammer that home, like again when that guy dies it's going to change the way that you do stuff yeah and frankly you i I feel like i cannot depend on companies to keep services that i like where i put things that i care about active on the internet Mm -hmm. just build it into the goddamn web and make it a standard rather than building an app that you're going to close down right like you talk about mailbox right do you remember like the mail app mailbox best fucking mail app ever made in my opinion so good. That and Sparrow both. If you remember Sparrow back in the day. Sparrow gets acquired by Google, bam, fucking shut down. Ma- mailbox gets acquired by Dropbox this year, this February, bam, shut down. Those are gone. The data associated with them is gone. That service no longer exists and is no longer usable. And being that it wasn't baked into the internet and wasn't released, like, it, <laughs> people can no longer use that thing. Right. These... That uh, going on lately? These Revolve hubs that Nest supports from a company they acquired—they're just shutting those fucking things down. Yeah. Like they're like, we can't support this anymore. We gotta, we gotta spend down this bare metal. Like we, it's just costing us money. That's a service that somebody invested in, Good. right? That's a, n- not only like just a service like that runs somebody's goddamn home. Like that's their, you know, their alarm system, their thermostat that interfaces with things. And when that service gets shut down, those people just have to go out and buy a new thing. Yep. Like, I, I feel like as much as companies innovate and put things out there, you can't depend on them to keep them out there. And that's terrifying because if if we're talking about like, let's say Facebook actually gets like bots off the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And a bot interface through Messenger really becomes a way that people interact with the web. And one day... Fucking Facebook HQ just gets obliterated, right? And it's gone. (laughs) Or their server farms are gone. Like, think of the most catastrophic thing that you can think of where Facebook can no longer operate. That experience and all that data no longer exists because it's not on the open web. Like, it's siloed away into Facebook's little bullshit playground land. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, And that's what's scary to me. Not that all information should be accessible to anybody by anybody, but the fact that companies or what control this stuff is terrifying like there's not any individual that's <laughs> or or any companies that are like really pushing towards the open web they're building platforms on top of it and then building out from there and you know eventually those just get shut down you know again mailbox and and those are Evolve hubs are two very recent examples of that within within 2016 you know the past three months I bet you, it sucks.
1: Yeah, I bet you there's a, a huge amount of technology that has been lost by companies that buy other companies and just destroy them. Like the old Microsoft way of, oh, you build something cool. We're going to buy you. We're going to strip what we want from it. And then the stuff that might have actually been what was cool about your product, we're just going to throw away because we're Microsoft it, and we're just moving forward in the way that we want to do right. things.
0: Right. They just take the talented people and there you go. Like Nest buying Dropcam. Huge example of that. Google buying Nest. Huge example of that. Since Google's bought Nest, there's been reports all around the valley that Nest is just doing terrible. Mm-hmm. And by terrible, it's not like like when I, when I say like reports around the valley, like engineers there just fucking hate their jobs, hate Tony Fidel. Uh, they haven't cranked out a new product in a long, long ass time, time since they acquired Dropcam and just re- rebranded that camera as the Nest Cam. Um, you talk about you know again like google acquiring motorola they acquired motorola and nothing really came out of that and then they sold them to lenovo remember how wonderful um,
1: motorola phones used to be back in the day i
0: used to... they were fucking great yeah. remember the razor and the Sliver? yep uh, we, won't, we won't talk about the rocker or anything like that there were some hit or miss things but even their first yep, android the phone part, was awesome i mean yeah i mean they're the droid yep, right the droid. yeah it was, the droid. it was the droid yeah that was my first android phone yep. But anyway, that was, like, the second Android phone total. I think the first one was uh, HTC something on T-Mobile. But anyway. Um, we don't talk about HTC. Like, just... <laughs> HTC is fucking in the toilet, <laughs> Like, it's just over for them. Yes. They don't know what they're doing anymore. But I just... I don't know. I feel that, you know, companies controlling this is just a very dangerous thing, and... know it's not like it can change like this is the status quo and it likely won't change because only these large mega corporations can do anything but really the only company that's tried to do anything with the open web has been google and you know like google doesn't silo its experiences away into this one like thing you know what i mean like they're they're everywhere like they're integrated with the web but again i mean you know like for the people that The majority of people like Facebook is the internet, or you know whatever they use is the internet. AOL isn't the internet. AOL is the internet for grandparents. A lot of people still use that.
1: (laughs) It's the first way. Whatever. This one's old. Is they still use AOL, (laughs) or they're very young? One of the two.
0: I guess I, for one, welcome our bot overlords. (laughs) Come make my life easy. Order my pizzas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's. You know, it's it's kind of like the open source question. You know, where if if the company's folding, do you put it, you make it open source and put it on the internet so if somebody else wants to pick it up and do something with it, they can. But at the same time, yeah. that's intellectual property that a company purchased and they are, are purchasing. There is it.
0: no more free exchange of information, right? For the most part, yeah.
1: Yeah, and sometimes they buy well, things to kill things. That's you know, we even as a as a small campus, you, you know, Cal Poly we are kind of sectioned off in different colleges and sometimes colleges like to buy and build things. And then the main campus, like it group will purposefully build something so that they can kill off all the services the other colleges are using. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a good thing. Most of the time it's just them kind of being like, you guys are wasting money and, sw- and wasting time. And we just want to make this thing go away by, you know, making it look like you shouldn't be doing this. And, uh, yeah, it's rough. Rough
0: life. So do we, rough life being a bot. Should we should we end on a,
1: on a happier note, or is that is that good enough? <laughs> rough
0: life for a bot. What's your happy note? Do you have I, something I, happy?
1: No, no, I'm just asking if we if we should talk about something that.
0: that I don't was... have anything happy either. Our lives are gonna be ruled by bots. Have a good night.